Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Flame On, a very special microsode. This is the Doctor Who 101 edition of the show. I am Brian the Bear. I am here going counterclockwise. I have Pat, the bearskin rug that talks and says mag- <laughs> makes magical phrases, magical bear sounds, whatever. Ah, uh, yep, I'm here. Uh, and sonic screwdriver sounds tonight. Uh, I have the straight boy who is sometimes on the floor but currently seated, Jacob. <laughs> Hello. Also cosplayer for, uh, uh, I can never say it. Blast Furnace. Thank you. I keep wanting to say Burning Crusade. Isn't that like a, a wow thing? Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, sorry. Uh, and our friend Drew, who was last on the Alien 101. Hello. And also writes for? FirstOrderHistorians.com. How is that going? Uh, it's been a while. Pretty well. Yeah. yeah. What was the last review you did? Yeah. <laughs> Was it's it alien? It wasn't, wasn't Prometheus, was it? Mm, I think there's been a couple since. Oh, that. good, good, good. Yeah. Well, we'll put the link out, of course, later on. And a very special guest, Craig from Geekery Most Foul. That's a video blog or vlog, if you are so inclined, from all the way in uh, uh, England. And I forgot exactly where, but uh, we'll just say England. Oh uh, well, greetings from the Starship UK, and it's Kent. Kent. And doesn't everyone think he sounds like Neil Gaiman? Slightly. What does Neil Gaiman sound like? Oh, nobody knows. Embarrassing. Apparently a lot like Craig. Yes, he does. All right. So, Oral will be joining us, as is customary in these Doctor Who episodes. Someone will join us late. Uh, last time, uh, it was actually our dear, beloved, passed away friend Mike Pandell, Triforce Mike. Uh, now in uh, similar but not similar tradition, Oral will be joining us late, and he'll jump right in. And actually, Craig will only be here for a little bit, because he is staying up a little way late over in England to join us. So we thank you for that. Um, Doctor Who, big part of all of our lives. That's why we're here today. Uh, we've talked about it many times on the show. Usually it's just Oral and I talking about it. But this is the convened people who care about Doctor Who that we know. And it is very exciting because this episode will go out the day before the premiere, both in America and England, simultaneously, which still blows my mind, by the way, but whatever. Of series seven of Doctor Who in the modern era. We just watched, and it's up on the, um, Flame On page, the Pond Life Part One prequel, Microsode, whatever the hell they call them, minisodes, teasers, prequels, I think is what they call them. Um, and if you haven't seen that, please go out and watch it. I, I would like to hear what Craig thought of it. I know we had our own reactions just now, but Craig, what did you think of this, uh, Pond Life, uh, Part One? As soon as I started watching it, I just thought, this is the beginning to Let's Kill Hitler again. It's it's good. I like to see the Doctor just having, you know, running about and having fun, but I just kind of feel it's repeating itself. Yes, and this is one of the criticisms I think people have of Moffat's work. A lot of it's very similar to stuff he's already done. Um, like you said with Let's Kill Hitler, the whole idea that the Doctor is running around having these adventures without his companions... They are alluding to them uh, visually, whereas I think in the Davies era, they just alluded to them, uh, you know, in passing, like the doctor would mention he met Queen Elizabeth or something, you know, although she did show up at one point. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's just like the uh, Series 6 break when they came back with Let's Kill Hitler. He was dancing around with the uh, Laurel and Hardy, I believe. Is that who that was? I think uh-huh. so. Um, and then having adventures in World War Two and... Uh, kind of the Hogan's Heroes era, whatever. Um, 
But having said that, this is just part one. And from what I have understood of the Pond Life prequel is it's really meant to focus on Amy and Rory setting up their relationship status as of Series 7. And supposedly, again, based on what I've read and what we know, it sounds like things are not exactly great with Amy and Rory in this Series 7. Did we really... Well, do you mean, like, relationship-wise? Yeah, like, because of either their adventures with the Doctor or because of just being in a relationship, they are in kind of a down part. And this 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 idea, I guess, in Series 7 that, as we know, I mean, pretty much everybody knows, they will not be the companions for much longer. They, they Part of their arc is, I guess, this thing about the Doctor saving their marriage, somehow. That's going to be interesting. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... From what I know, it's going to be the main excuse for getting them back into the TARDIS, because obviously the Doctor left them. Now he comes back and finds their marriage in trouble, and he's basically out to fix it. To see. Yeah, and I don't... Uh, I mean, the last time we saw them, they were hanging out for Christmas, and this is after, of course, the Doctor faked his death. Everybody thinks he's dead, including Amy and Rory, and then River tells him the truth. But, uh, yeah, I guess this is the, the device to get them back in the TARDIS. Um so I don't know, it'd be interesting. I don't, it's only gonna play out over five episodes. So, and, and you know, one of the things that Moffat has said, though I don't know if this is necessarily true, is this series and pretty much all future series won't have a very strong arc. Like the last series was very, you know, every beginning of every episode, it was like, oh, what's going on with Amy? Or what's, the doctor's gonna die. We, you know, how are we gonna prevent this? And, and then it was the whole Amy pregnancy thing. And it was just very sequential, very strongly arced. But Moffat has said this season, this series, he's trying to go against that and do very standalone individual episodes. Ugh. What? You don't like that? I, yeah, I don't like the sound of that at that. all. Um, and I feel like the whole Pond uh, companions, I think they're a little overdone now. I, I'm ready for some new companions. Thank you. And uh. this is why I'm glad he is on this podcast with us. Amy, not my favorite. I, I mean, okay, at I all. actually really like Amy a lot. I think she might be my favorite companion since Rose. Like, I would even go that far. At least far. it's but, Rose, yeah. all right? I'll this one's a that. Rose fan. Yeah, I, I mean, I love both. I, I've loved all the companions, actually, since yeah. since the series reboot. But I just feel like... I, I, I think that getting into the companions and their lives outside of what happens with the Doctor, it sounds good in theory, but I just haven't really liked it in practice. Like, I tried to get into the Sarah Jane adventures that just didn't do it for me. Torchwood was kind of up and down for me. I, I just feel like I like the Doctor, and I want to see what happens with him, and I want to see some new companions. Yeah. That's, that's my thing. So the only thing... Okay, I can't say that I that I don't, don't like Amy Pond, but I think when it comes down to it, she ends up being the central focus of this run with Matt Smith, where, you know, I've grown to like Matt Smith, and, you know, every Doctor since Eccleston has taken a little while for me to get used to, but with Matt Smith, it's hard to really fully focus on him where Amy seems to be the central figure as opposed to the Doctor. They went into everybody else's lives. They went into Martha's. They went into, you know, Donna's and all that. Um, I think Rose probably the most out of all of the ones so far before Amy, mm -hmm. but um, they always, the Doctor always was trying to help them out but still had a focus on his role in the universe. Where if you're like Matt Smith's doctor kind of takes a back seat and is constantly trying to fix them, help them, do for them, and kind of pulls it pulls a little bit of focus off of what his role is through everything. I mean that's just kinda of how I see it with, with them. And I'm kinda of glad that we'll be shifting onto a new companion and maybe get to see Matt Smith shine and as the central focus for you know, the next season. I think it may have kind of grown into that because season five definitely started out with Amy being just a, a huge smashing hit and a big success. I think she really started with a bang, and I know I really liked her from that. And then it did kind of die down from that. So now that we, we're seeing uh, the interest of Amy explicitly just kind of go down a little bit, her personality's changing a bit, it's time to, you know, get rid of her. Well, not yeah. like boot her, but well, send, to her, send her to a different I mean, dimension. last series, it really was Rory's broken development. But I have to say, I really like that. I liked that they had a male focus in the TARDIS. I guess it had been a while since that. I mean, even since... Well, in the modern era, era it hadn't happened. Yeah. Well, with Mickey a little bit, but Mickey was almost just a joke 
He was the he ten was dog. The yeah. dog yeah. Exactly. Maybe Jack a little bit, but not so much. But you're, I, I actually really agree that Rory's arc surprised me, first of all, because in the first season, or the fifth season, rather, you didn't expect him to even come back at all, and then he does come back, and then it's in a permanent way, which was just very surprising. Again, a lot of the choices that Moffat made in the first of his series was surprising to me in a good way. Second series, uh, you know, I like overall the whole series. Uh, I think the only episode that I don't care for is the pirate one. I think that's universally recognized as probably the worst or the like weakest. That one. Well, you can, uh, but overall, and actually, you don't like the last, uh, the, uh, what is it called? The, well, the last one. Oh, the wedding. You don't like the you wedding. See, remember when you said that I should go back and watch it three times? Yes. And I did? Yes. So I kind of did end up enjoying it a little bit more. Oh, good. A, a little bit. Oh, don't, good. Don't, don't pat yourself on the back. Oh, I'm patting myself on the back right there. I it, just did it. That's awkward. It was a little <laughs> awkward, but it felt good. So, um, I agree with you guys though, because the show regenerates like the doctor does. Every time a new doctor is brought on, and every time a new companion is brought on, because it's kind of a jumping on point. Like in comics, when they renumber or they say, hey, this is a jumping on point. Um, this is a chance for them to start the show anew. And, uh, those of you who do not, let's, let's also take a step back, because I, there will be people with Doctor Who 101 who don't know really much about Doctor Who. Yeah, like I was talking with, um, Paul last night, Paul Del Pizzo, and he goes, so where would I start in Doctor Who? Would I watch, you know, 30, 40 something odd seasons of Doctor Who to catch up to where I am now? And I said, no, there's pivotal points and pivotal seasons where you start to really jump on, and they do kind of lead you into it. Like, yes. Like, uh, the start of, um, 2005 was, I'm sorry, 2010 was where I started. And I knew nothing about Doctor Who, and Brian was like, here, come over, watch this show. And I said, isn't that that really strange show? And he's like, yeah. So, they started off, and these pivotal points really tell you everything you need to know. There's a time traveler, you know, he comes back, whatever, he's flying around in this little, tiny, big box at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you just kind of jump on. And he always has a companion, or set of companions, and they are your entry point into the world of the Doctor. I mean, the, the deliberate choice that Russell Davies made when he brought the modern Doctor Who back was to really focus it on the female characters, very much influenced by Joss Whedon's Buffy. His influence, he said that very loudly, and even having an arc at all in the whole series, having standalone episodes just like Buffy does, but having this kind of big bad that kind of stays throughout, very much a Buffyism. Um, and even in the way that it was, uh, you know, the old school Doctor Who, the female companions, with maybe a couple exceptions, were all very, very weak and tended to be damsels in distress. And let's not kid ourselves, there is still a lot of that. But by having Rose save the Doctor, and the very first episode that he wrote, uh, Rose, was a huge departure in a lot of ways from the old Doctor Who. Um, Craig, I know you've, you're very familiar with the older uh, Doctor uh, as well. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of like Doctor Who, uh, the modern sort of take on it, and, and some of the changes they made from the classic uh, Doctor Who? One of the biggest ones is the shift. I used to say the old Doctor Who was far more sci-fi. What I'd call the new Doctor is more sci-fantasy. It plays a lot faster and looser with the sci-fi aspects, and it's more about the magic and the majesty of it. And it focuses... And the Doctor's become more of this mythical figure within it. Yeah. I mean, in some some people I've actually talked to, they actually have a problem with Moffat's Doctor, specifically because he is too magical. And they miss the harder sci-fi edge that at least the classic Who had, and they even said that the Russell Davies era had, which I would fundamentally disagree with, except, you know, with a few particular episodes. Well... Before Series 5 came out, he was saying he wanted it to be like a fantasy tale. Yeah. Like a old-fashioned fantasy story. Well, Moffat, before... Moffat. Yeah, before Series 5, that's yeah. what you're saying, yeah. A dark fairy tale. Yeah. As I think, yeah, what he was describing it as, but... um, Yeah, I just... Uh, so for those of you who've never seen it, again, Jacob kind of summed it up really well. Time traveler, travels around a box, has a magic wand called a sonic screwdriver. Sounds like that. Um, Companions, one or many, one or several... Uh, and they go around and have adventures. And a lot of the adventures are set in the modern era because, again, the only way you can really successfully, that they've shown, tie, you know, our modern era to the Doctor is with the Companion. One of the things that they have said, although they haven't said it officially, uh, we've, I think, pretty much determined is the next Companion is quite likely not going to be from the modern era and may actually be from either the distant past or a future time that looks like the distant past. 
Um, and I cannot think of her name. I don't I actually don't even know if they've officially announced her name. The actress certainly, but not her name. Um, I don't know, if, Craig. You remember hearing any names thrown out there for her? Not for the character, no. The, I've only ever heard the actresses. Are you familiar with her work at all? I I think I I don't think I had seen anything she had done, but no, I think she was on the soap over here, but. Again, that's outside my knowledge. You mean you don't watch EastEnders and uh, all those other ones? Everybody, everybody says that you know are so amazing. I think it's more on the medical ones, like Casualty or Colby um, City. Oh, okay. Well, while you're still here, because I know you you are up very late for us, I'd like to know a little bit of the uh, English perspective on, uh, and by the way, I mean your perspective of the Doctor Who phenomenon you've experienced growing up and have loved. And then seeing it kind of grow over here in a lot more of a mass market kind of way. I mean, I was going online today on Amazon looking for Doctor Who TARDIS uh, Christmas lights, which they have now. <laughs> Amazon did not have them yet, but they are out there. I've seen pictures, uh, and so that's why I know. But, I mean, I'm curious from your perspective, I mean, are you are you proud that this is something that has kind of become quite an American uh, obsession, I'd even say, that it, that we have embraced it so much in even our sci-fi communities or is it something you feel like that's kind of like tainting or or not tainting but maybe i don't know what, what are your feelings on that uh interesting uh development oh i think it's brilliant i mean it's you have to understand this doctor really permeates just british culture in general in the same way that even people who aren't sci-fi fans over in america know what star trek is and know the you know the william shatner mannerisms and what the starship enterprise looks like it's the same for a doctor in england it's like my three-year-old nephew can point out a dalek and knows what it is even though he's never seen the show that is amazing and it, you know it permeates the culture so, so it's great to see this british thing just expanding out into the world right and it is really a worldwide thing too i i, I shouldn't uh, make it so american-centric canada australia and many other markets are getting doctor who within weeks of the American and English launch. I, I really love that you brought up the the, uh, the Star Trek kind of, um, comparison, because Star Trek, of course, is very well-known around the world and is a very American sort of product. But Doctor Who actually you know, has a longer tradition than Star Trek. People don't realize Star Trek has been around for a while, but Doctor Who does predate it, and Doctor Who had run continuously. Uh, a lot of people know the modern era from 2005 or 2000, yeah, 2005 on, but it came out, what, 63, I think? Yep, 1963. Uh, it was brought out as basically a children's educational show. The whole point was they would go to different time areas and eras and they'd basically educate children on history. And in fact, that's one of the reasons uh, Verity Lambert, uh, I believe it was, determined that it needed to be a time travel show because they could go to different eras and explore different historical things, certainly, but also go into the future and sort of do like a science thing. Some of the episodes I've seen in the first Doctor, when he's not being a total dick, which, will get, you know, that's a whole other thing, because um, William Hartnell can be a bit of a dick, uh, a playful dick, but still a dick. Um, he uh, would do little science lessons, I think, in one of the early early episodes, I remember. I don't think it was the Aztecs, but it, it was certainly not Unearthly Child, which is the very first one, but I think it was somewhere after that before the Aztecs and uh, he literally had like a little science fact that he showed his companions and the audience and it was just like what really Mr. Wizard what um, yeah it's like in the first episode of the Daleks I have a big explanation of static electricity and yeah I mean and that's you know it's used as a major plot point there was a reason they did it too and I forgot was it because of the BBC licensing the way that the licensing was worded in the fact that you guys basically pay as part of your taxes or, or whatever, that it had to have some kind of educational value? Is that is that what, do you understand that, or do you know anything about that? Yeah, everything the BBC has to put out has to either be of, what dis I mean, it's loosely worded, but it has to be either high-quality entertainment or educational value. So, basically, it's one of the few channels nowadays on British TV that isn't just full of reality TV. They have to put out good stuff. So it's just like American TV then, basically. I mean, all along, the PB, our PBS is basically what you guys have for BBC. It's the same idea. It's, you know, viewer-funded, taxpayer-funded, largely educational, but with some entertaining uh, qualities. Um, 
what do you, let's see, so we've kind of described a little bit about Doctor Who. We've talked a little bit about our things with the past series that we've enjoyed, specifically with Series 7 coming out. Again, we're excited to see new companion, some more than others. Are we um, excited to see the Daleks come back? That's a good question, actually. Thank you. Um, I, uh, I am interested in seeing this spin on it. I'm also interested in seeing uh, it not be a two-parter or a season-ender, which is pretty much a lot of the Dalek ones have been mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I'm certainly curious after seeing the imagery of all these old Daleks, which that's something that when they redid the Daleks, what was it, last? No, Series 5. Uh, five. Yeah. And they made the multicolored Daleks, uh, mm-hmm. the Power Ranger Daleks, whatever you want to call them. Oh, go-go power, darling. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of people were pretty pissed off because they're mm-hmm. like, what is this crap? But Moffat was very quick to say, look, this is just a ruling class. This is just a modern re, re, uh, you know, revisiting of it. The old ones are still around or they will still be utilized. And this is them coming back. There's actually a Dalek. If you saw the promotional, I actually have it as my wallpaper. There is a Dalek, I believe, from... Is it? Oh gosh, Craig! I don't know if you remember. It's the one that has like almost a military helmet-looking thing and the cannon in the center. The special weapons Dalek. Thank you. What is that from? Yeah, from Remembrance. It is from Remembrance, which was a uh, S- uh, Sylvester McCoy one, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's when they had the two different factions of Daleks fighting each other. But you also, in like they re- released another mini trailer, you see 1960s Daleks in there as well. Yes. And those, those you can actually see on the uh, wallpaper. It's the it's the doctor holding Amy, and Amy looks like she's passed out or dead or something. And uh, yeah, they have what's obviously a '60s era Dalek. Uh, I didn't see, although I would love to find out if they actually took any of the Peter Cushing era Daleks. Who, if you've ever seen the Peter Cushing Doctor Who movies, there's two of them out. Uh, one of them actually has the guy that played uh, uh, what's his name, the grandfather. Wilf, Wolf, Wilf, Wilf, right? Donna's grandfather. Donna's grandfather. Yeah. Uh, didn't he? He was in the second of these Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing is the guy who played uh, Grand Moff Tarkin in Star mm-hmm. Wars. Mm-hmm. He was the doctor in two original movies they made in the 60s that were no, in no way directly related to the TV show, other than just inspired by and you know using the rights for it. But in that incarnation, the doctor is actually a human, and his name is Doctor Who. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, I remember you telling me that when we were going through it um, two summers ago. I remember mm-hmm. you saying something about that, and that sounds very familiar. So yeah. I would quote you on that. They're really... Uh, now, uh, Craig, have you seen these movies? Uh, I have both of them on DVD. Fantastic. And they're... Because at the time they was made, um, they called it the Dalek Mania era, and the Daleks became insanely popular. So they decided to throw out movies, mate, and... It's weird because the Doctor's not the focus of them. It is They are Dalek movies. And they're basically big screen adaptations of the first two Dalek stories from the first series. Now, do you, you enjoy them though, right? Oh yeah, I love them. I just love that sort of big, campy, 60s, very retro look to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's... I mean, they were used as the inspiration for the new design of Daleks with the big bold colors and the big rims. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm wondering. So other than the new inspired ones, the, the power Daleks, whatever, I wonder if they will have some uh, homage to that uh, Peter Cushing era. The other thing I'm wondering, and actually, I'm sorry, I'm not wondering, I know this. Uh, Russell Davies, again, who wrote the first you know iteration mm-hmm. that they brought it back, he actually owns a Dalek, his own prop Dalek he got at some point. He's, you know, a big Doctor Who fan, even before he wrote it. Um, and that Dalek was shipped to uh, somewhere where they actually used it in this production. Um, and I don't know if you guys, I don't, I mean, Craig, I don't know if you read this. I had been kind of wondering what he was up to, because he had done uh, the Torchwood over here, Miracle Day, which we've talked about on the show, Earth Has Two Vaginas, all that crap. Um, anyway, he has actually stopped working. He is actually taking care of his partner who has brain cancer. And actually, right after Miracle Day finished, left Hollywood, went back home, and has stopped work. I don't know if you had seen that, Craig. No, that's the first I've heard about it. I mean, after he left um, Portrait and Doctor, he kind of dropped off the map for me. I didn't realize why. Well, I mean, he did the torch. Did you ever get a chance to see Torchwood Miracle Day? I'm sure it by now has, must have come out over there. I kind of got sick of all the filler episodes and dropped it about halfway through. Yeah. 
Yeah. I really think that should have just ended with um, Children of Earth and just left it there. I did the same thing. Uh, so you didn't I, even get to the vaginas I, thing. I got halfway through the Miracle Day, but I love Children of oh. Children of Earth. I thought it was great, yeah. but the Star series, no, just didn't do yeah. it for me. There's, well, I, think, I, I was pissed when they started killing everybody. The with it was just there's so much filler. I mean, Children of Earth was great because there's five episodes, but you know, it's just not enough to fill like a 13 episode series. Right. Well, and they um they kept having the the only redeeming qualities of that I think were Captain Jack having sex scenes. Um, mm-hmm. those were pretty good, and and even I would say some of the relationship that Jack had with that guy from like the forties or thirties, which I you may not have even gotten to that. That was in the later half. Those were interesting, you know. That sort of backstory was interesting, but all the American characters I could have cared less. Gwen, seeing her, of course, is always and Reese. We all love Reese. Um, that was good. That's always good. But yeah, I mean, it just kind of evolved. For those of you who don't know, Torchwood is actually an anagram for Doctor Who. Yep. And they used the Torchwood name when Doctor Who came back as a code name for uh, the series production so people didn't know what they were filming. Oh, good. You brought your headphones. Oral's here, everybody. Oral has arrived. Um, hey, Oral. But Torchwood is a, uh, a spinoff show. It is available on Netflix streaming still, I believe, uh, at least through the first three, and the good one is the third one. And it has Jack Barrowman from uh, Doctor Who episode, actually a Moffat. Uh, what did I say? Jack. Oh, Jack. I said Jack Barrowman? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Captain Jack Harkness, of course, his character's called. And he uh, plays this very omnisexual guy, which is actually something else I wanted to talk about since we are a gay, geeky show. Uh, one of the things that Doctor Who has done very well, I think, and, and it's an adaptation into the modern era, is address gay issues and gay characters and, and in some ways, actually very much uh, putting up these, I won't say a gay agenda, but it certainly has put them right out front and had the doctor, you know, had to deal with these uh, these issues. So, Could you explain some of those situations? Um, well, Jack, as an introduction, uh, I believe there was something else in the first season that happened. or the, the So you know, that would be between him and Eccleston. Yeah, well, they had, well, yeah. A, they had a moment where he was flirting with Rose, and right. then I think he started flirting with the doctor and... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there was there was some kind of triangleish thing there. This point that you realize, well, Jack, you know, if you're starting 2005, you know, you 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 see the show and you're like, well, I'm going to assume that you know maybe a bit of it's straight. But then you see Jack and it's like a wake up call, like, yeah. whoa, he's omni everything, whatever. If it's got something, he will do it. <laughs> yes. So yeah. I, I certainly was thrilled. I mean, not uh, knowing that uh, Russell Davies, who had written Queer as Folk, uh, the British, the original one. Um, it, you know, it's not surprising that it was there, and it kind of became, oh, what's going to be the gay thing this season? What's going to be the, you know, wh- how is he going to work this in now? Well, um, hi everybody, it's Oral. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Queer as Folk because I had never seen the the British version, so I watched it all in like one like sitting. Can someone explain to me why they drive out? into like i don't know like a hyperspace tunnel at the end is that important have we moved past that craig can you answer that question i cannot i watched that and uh, i really didn't understand what was going on i assume it just went into the big metaphor or something well it's kind of like scott pilgrim when suddenly uh ramona's like taking a subspace pathway through somebody's head and it's like scott's head it's like wait what well they didn't teach it in canada well right we were in we weren't, you know, accustomed to it. Yes, of course. Um, Craig, I know you, uh, again, are staying up awfully late for us. Is there anything about the new series or about Doctor Who in general that you would like to share with our uh, our audience, or our probably largely American audience, or anything you feel like is worth uh, getting off your chest about Doctor Who? Oh, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I love how gay positive it's become, and it's just really opened up for a new generation this whole whimsical magical idea of you know the doctor who's this he's basically an, an uber geek and he's so cool and the best part i love the approach to weaponry which is this very british thing of talking your way out your problems and not using weapons well it's, it's like I, I always think of batman when we talk about you know not using I guess guns really but you know, weapons sort of, but um, but yeah, I love that about the Doctor. In fact, it's one of the things that probably makes it hard to adapt as a video game, as I've complained about in a, I think a not a long ago episode. 
Uh, did you get to play the Eternity Clock at all? No, I was. I played on the downloadable ones. Um, I was it called where the Daleks invaded the 1960s? Oh yeah, the first one they did. Um, I actually liked yeah. that because it was never. It didn't ever set out to be that ambitious. It was kind of a very focused, sort of simple game, and because of that you didn't expect it to have really much uh, in the way of weapons or anything. I mean, you wouldn't, wouldn't with the Doctor anyway. But the problem with the Eternity Clock, when you have a chance to play it, is they actually try to go down that road a little bit with the Doctor and the screwdriver and River and her. She has actually a gun and uses her lipstick to, you know, uh, subdue people. And it's a combination, a very odd, awkward combination of a puzzle game that's very frustrating, by the way with uh an action adventure game. So it it just to me it doesn't work and the only thing that keeps pushing me through it is they're all voice acted by, you know, uh Matt Smith and uh oh gosh, what's her name? Alex Kingston. So um well I think a Doctor Who video game could work. I mean, that concept doesn't sound terrible, but I I just watched the trailer for those games on YouTube and they just didn't seem very very good. Well, the other side of it is they don't always get the most cutting edge studios. They kind of go for the lower cost, uh, sort of budget studios, which is funny because the graphics they have in Doctor Who now are really quite excellent. You know, overall, production value wise. Well, I mean, even just a game that isn't high quality graphics, it could just be like a old school type adventure game on like a smartphone. That, oh, that or, could work, I I'm think. thinking the old school like LucasArts games. Yeah, like a point and click adventure. Oh, that would be amazing. I would love that. Yeah, I think a lot of, um, a lot of the video games should revolve around puzzles. Like we see, um, with that Doctor Who MMO that kind of came out a little bit. It yes. was online. Yes, that was, was actually really game. good too. And that was great because, you know, it taught you to complete puzzles and, you know, maybe went back to the roots of it's, it's a teaching tool or whatever. But, yeah. but I think, um, the puzzle side of it will be the big thing. I'm not going to run around shooting Daleks with invisible guns that don't exist. Well, and there is the dichotomy that you have. We have an American fan base that's largely older, although it doesn't have to be too old. Um, but, you know, at least, let's say, teens and up. And they have certain expectations of their sci-fi adventure puzzle, or not puzzle, but, you know, there's going to be guns involved, or lightsabers. And then you have the British uh, perspective, which is Doctor Who is a kid's show, or a family show, I should say. So you can't go down that road too far. You, yeah, you can't push it to Call of Duty and then well, right. really quick respawn, boom, 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 die. Yeah. And, and, and in the modern era, you're not going to see a Doctor Who that is super um, dark, although there were some Russell Davies episodes, including The Waters of Mars particularly, oh, that was God. just like, holy God. What did I watch? How dark. And oh, I needed yeah. a hug after that. <laughs> well, I, I think we're going to talk about this later, the trailer for yes. Series 7. Okay. Yes. Well, I was just going to make mention that Parts of it alluded to kind of the doctor being away from his companions for too long. It made me think of the water of Mars. So yes. Just, the doctor as a character becomes very dark and loses touch with his humanity when he's... Well, we can go into uh, that now. I mean, they, cool. they've certainly established that the doctor has a very difficult relationship with his companions because in some ways you he wants to be their best friend. He wants them to be... As long as long lasting as they can, but unfortunately, they are mortal, whereas he is basically immortal. They are going to age and get old, and they are going to die just by all the crap that happens as part of his natural adventures. And so, you know, he said several times, you know, it breaks his heart to have these companions with him for short periods of time when he is so long lived. But the alternative is him knocking about on his own or whatever he can get into trouble very easily because he doesn't have that person to ground him, to bring him back to the... Sometimes they describe it as he doesn't have that perspective of someone who is shorter-lived, who values life more, because he's just too aloof. He can't appreciate a star for what it is. He just kind of abstracts it too far, you know? So, uh, yeah, they definitely have have referenced that in the trailer. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In the yeah, cowboy well, episode, I well, think. The well, in the trailer, when Amy Pond says to him, like, oh, this is what happens to you when you when you spend too much time on your own. And I think it's in, in reaction to the doctor actually wanting to let somebody die or not save somebody or maybe even allow them to be killed or something, which is, you know, for the doctor, quite a shortcut when normally he at least gives everybody one chance to, to redeem themselves, you know. Um so anyway, Craig, I whenever you have to leave, feel free. I don't want to keep you up too late, but if you would like to stay with us, by all means. Oh, I can stay. I can stay. All right. Fantastic. Um, so, again, what we've seen of Series 7 is there's going to be, uh, at least the part they've shown publicly, is there going to be an Adalic episode, dinosaurs, dinosaurs on a spaceship, which is ridiculous, and it's even the title of the episode. What? Yes. There is a West. good. Uh, the, the special effects have gotten exactly really good. The I past mean, few years compared to like 2005 when they came back, and the terrible effects that they used with the part of the aliens and the little flat. Well, flat that. Bobs. But I was just even going back to the nesting. The um, what are they called? The, uh, the wax things. The wax. Uh, yeah, autons, mannequins. The autons. The yeah, those were terrible effects. Terrible. But but I like the bad special effects. I, I think time, like. Doctor Who's good. supposed to be really cheesy in the past few years. I mean, it looks really good, but I don't know. You know, it's funny. I um, I don't watch things in HD because it kind of freaks me out, especially like To Sir With Love. That was really weird. Sydney Poitier shouldn't be in HD. Uh, um, but um, but I remember watching, oh gosh, um, the God Complex episode. Where yes, in the, the Minotaur. Yes. And that, that scene, or was it? Or was it the one with the... No, it was the dollhouse one. Okay. Where they start out in space and everything just looks so fantastic. I'm just like, you know, I'll just keep watching this online on like a low-quality setting to give me that nostalgic feel I long for. <laughs> I uh, I must say, as much as I love like the Man in Suit movies, Godzilla and all that, I am not sad to see them move away from that in the modern era because it... It has a nice, like, kind of nostalgic factor, but you show it to some people. Like, I showed Tron to someone, like, the original Tron, and it was just like I'd cr- crushed their puppies. Like, like <laughs> they couldn't believe how dreadful this thing I was making them watch was. And it's like, but, but, uh, you know. Well, I think that part of the reason it's gotten a lot more popular the past few years is because the special effects and production values have gotten a lot better. I know of a lot of people who just started with Series 5. Yeah. They didn't watch the first... Um, four or mm-hmm. the specials, anything, and they were perfectly content with that. And then they tried to go back and watch that first episode with the Michael ninth Doctor, yeah. and they're like, "No, we're not, we're not going to do this." Which is a shame because they are fairly good episodes. And, oh, they're great episodes. And, and then, and then it's even a harder case to make to go back and watch a Tom Baker, or even before Tom. God, trying to get through series one with the the very first series one with the with the the, the Dick, the, the Doctor who's the Dick, uh, the first Doctor. Uh, William Hartnell, good luck. Because even I, who have a very big patience for such things, I fall asleep or yeah. I just, yeah, I can't. I, I struggle too with those. Yeah. I've yeah. watched about a dozen old school Doctor Who episodes. That's about as far as I can Tom get. Baker, at least, uh, that's the fourth Doctor. He's the one with the scarf and the hat and the big hair. Everybody's probably seen him. It's the one pop culture-wise a lot of people would recognize. Um, he at least is insane enough as a as a performer that you you are interested in that at the very least you know the rest of the show might just be what is this crap why are these terrible men in suit alien things what what is the, the terrible music the very synthetic instead of the nice orchestrated stuff they have now i mean it's it's painful oh gosh like old murray gold well okay oh, man. so let's now, talk I, I know you were meaning before that i meant murray before gold, that but murray you're gold, right with that synthesizer he was really laying it down. We, we watched Casanova the other night. Casanova it was also made by Russell Davies and also starred David Tennant. It was what actually led him to cast David Tennant as Doctor Who. The music was also, I believe, by Murray Gold. Yep. And it was all 
synthetic all synth- MIDI, but trying to sound like uh, strings and all that, and it's dreadful. And you go back and watch the first season, other than the, maybe the revamping of the music and the opening titles, a lot of the music was still kind of meh. Although they had that woman singing, which was kind of cool. The Doctor's theme for a while. Um, I don't remember exactly how it goes. Well, I do, but I'm not going to sing it. Was that, um, are you meaning with David Tennant? No, I mean even Eccleston. They, oh. The very first episode, the Doctor's by the TARDIS and Rose is, Rose is following him out there and you hear this like haunting sort of woman singing in the background. Oh, you mean the music that means somebody's going to die? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just like, oh God, here it comes, here it comes. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, the music's gotten a lot better. And I'm actually kind of curious because Murray Gold stuck around and he's been doing it for seven years, uh, seven years? Yeah, well, almost, I guess seven. Um, five to 2012. Yeah. Seven. But, um, you see more and more of his associate, uh, oh, I can't think of his name, from Torchwood mainly doing a lot of the orchestrations with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wonder how much longer he's going to stick around and then when the other guy's going to probably take over, but, um, Ben something. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, Doctor Who in pop culture. I just went, actually, Oral and I were there, uh, at different times. Star Wars Celebration 6, uh, it's here in Orlando this year. And one of the cool things that I've seen in pop culture lately is, uh, Chris Hardwick. And from The Nerdist. And, uh, like Craig Ferguson mm-hmm. from Late Night. And just all these, like, you know, various sort of, sort of minor to major celebrities kind of glom on to Doctor Who. And kind of help drag it into a little bit more of a kind of pop culture. I, I believe that their efforts have definitely helped bring it into things. I mean, you're seeing the New York City premiere, the American premiere in New York City of Doctor Who now. Yeah. And it's sponsored by BBC America and Chris Hardwick and you know, all this stuff. It's, it's, it's really fantastic. And I got to meet Chris Hardwick and my little nerdy heart exploded as I tweeted on, on Twitter. It was just amazing. And, I just realized that he and I have something in common. We both love this show, and we do anything that we could to get it out there into the masses. And, you know, I'm I'm one of those people who always has to start from the beginning. And I think it was Chris who said, you don't even have to watch all of it. Just start with Series 5. It's fantastic. And it's just that positive attitude that Craig Ferguson and Chris Hardwick and all of us, like, American fans bring to Doctor Who. That it's a makes community. So mm-hmm. I mean... There have been a number of shows recently that have made passing reference stuff here. Pat might know this. Do you know if uh, Scrubs ever? I could have easily seen them. It may have just been because they were a little further back, you know, and it hadn't quite caught on. But I could have mm. easily seen Scrubs having some reference I mean, in there somewhere. Back when I was in high school. Yeah, so it was probably too early for it. Then. But no, I just, that that only what? went through that went Scrubs? through up until a couple of years ago. So there was nothing though. Huh. Well, there have been other shows, and I cannot think of which ones. I know there was a medical show that played uh, homage to it. Um, again, Community has Doctor, was it Inspector Space Time? Inspector Which is kind of ridiculous and awesome. Um, in, uh, Craig, in England, you know, in the shows that are mainly on over there, do you see any Doctor Who referencing? Or is that is that something that is referred to uh, occasionally as a shout-out or some kind of cultural reference? Uh, it's more of... Whenever you have a geeky character on the show, they will throw out a dot reference or something like that. Just, uh, it's basically a signal that this person is the geek in the show. I'm actually thinking Queer as Folk, um, and again, no surprise, Russell Davies wrote it. The, uh, in the American version of the show, those of you who are familiar with Queer as Folk in the American version, there is a, a two characters, Brian and Michael. Michael. And Michael is a huge comic book fan, like not like uh, unlike ourselves. And uh, Brian is his best friend, and there is a boyfriend influence. Uh, uh, I forgot the boyfriend. It was the Doctor, maybe. Oh, that one. Maybe anyway. And and it's kind of a competition of sorts between Brian and the Doctor, who's dating Michael, and they try to out geek each other in terms of their birthday ideas for Michael. And one of the things in the British show originally was a competition between the two characters, the equivalent characters, of who can name, I think, all the doctors or something. Does that sound familiar, Craig? I, I, it's been a while, but something to that effect. Um, yes, and the big topping birthday present was a working K-9 model. I remember that. Correctly. That That's, K-9 was super cute. And if you haven't seen K-9, he's kind of been sort of left in the dust from Sarah Jane. Unfortunately, uh, the actress uh, Elizabeth Sladen, who played Sarah Jane, one of the longest-running companions of all of Doctor Who, 
lasted for, gosh, I mean, she lasted for one, two doctors, but came back in the modern era in a big way and had her own show and all that. Um, K9 was her, at one point, kind of companion, and the doctor's companion, a little robot, a little tin dog, gray, very basic looking, but very intelligent, you know, talked all kinds of stuff, and... um He's been kind of lost in the modern era because since uh, you know, Elizabeth Sladen passed away, they've they've not brought him back. Um, but anyway, that's another Doctor Who thing. If you haven't seen that, um, um, back to yes. references really fast. What Big Bang Theory makes huge oh, references to Doctor Who. Of course, it would too. Um, uh, I can't remember the main characters now. I'm gonna Sheldon. Sheldon. Uh, anytime I'm talking about Doctor Who with my friends, they're like, "Oh, Sheldon loves Doctor Who," and I'm like, "Well, you don't watch Doctor Who, but you watch Big Bang Theory. You would love Doctor Who," and I'm like. Make the connection. Come That's on. like saying if you watch Big Bang Theory, you might like reading comic books. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not the case. I know many people who enjoy re- watching Big Bang Theory in in their own way because they like sitcoms or they like making fun of geeks. I don't know what it is. I don't take it personally, but they would probably not then be as into. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know because um, Doctor dad- Who is certainly very like. Ex- yeah. I, most people I've shown Doctor Who, if you pick the right episode. It's it's approachable. It's yeah. very approachable. Like, I even got my dad into it, and he's been like, all right, well, when's the next Doctor Who coming out? And I'm like, well, it's this time. Um, but I think it might depend on which one you get into first, uh, and depending on how you watch it. Like, if you watch Big Bang Theory for just the casual watching, um, not explicitly just for all the nerdy things that happen, uh, you know, you might not pick up the Doctor Who thing. Maybe you do. Maybe it just passes by. And you. Um, but if you're into Doctor Who... You get into Big Bang Theory, and then you catch the references, and you're, it pulls you more into Big Bang Theory. Yeah, which uh, I think is neat. Yeah, I certainly was pleased when uh, Sheldon like comes out, and he has his routine in the morning. Ritualistic routine. Yeah, he's a very OCD kind of guy, and uh, he has to have a special chair, and he has to sit and watch Doctor Who at like six in the morning or something. Yeah, whenever it's on or something. And, and and if he doesn't do that, he gets all up and out of shape, crazy. But mm-hmm. um, and then doesn't Top Gear make a lot of or not a lot, but a few references to Doctor Who. They've certainly had David Tennant and yeah. Matt Smith on. Uh, I don't know about the female companions. I think it just might be that celebrity show for, for people in other big shows to come on as well. Drive a cars and, well, not or something. But Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, throwing a Doctor Who party. Because, like I said, I will be doing this Saturday. And unfortunately, you probably are working, Oral. No fish sticks and custard. Sorry. You can Why come wasn't afterwards. I told about this party? You can come afterwards. Are you working? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I figured. That's why. Anyway. Um, still would have liked to have been invited, Brian. Yeah. I was going to put a Hateful thing bitch. out. I hadn't done it yet. Hateful bit. I'll listen to you. So, one of the things, of course, is the sonic screwdriver, which we've mentioned, and we've even made the sound. Uh, it's the doctor's magic wand. It does pretty much whatever he wants. It doesn't work on wood. doesn't work on wood for some bizarre reason, just because it's funny. Or hair dryers. Or hair dryers. I don't remember that part. Yeah, I don't either. Silence in the library. He says, oh, a really yep. powerful signal interferes with it, or hair dryers stop it from working. <laughs> and you know, what's funny about that is that's another Moffat Williams, or Moffat Williams, Moffat um, episode, and he loves throwing those little bits of continuity in. Um, the, the story goes that he actually put a bit in The Doctor's Wife uh, about uh, being able to turn into a woman. Supposedly, Gaiman didn't originally have that little bit in there, but Moffat added it because he liked that to be put out there. Yeah, because one of the Time Lords that uh, had uh, sent the cube, the one with the serpent that was... The Corsair. The Corsair, yes. Um, He had, or the Doctor had mentioned, one time came back as, you know, a nice lady or Mm -hmm. whatever. And it just leaves that room for open-endedness. And I like that because it plants these little things out there that future writers can pick and run with. Or Moffat can just pick up and run with again when he he gets to it. Um, Whenever he wants to do it. So, Sonic Screwdriver, uh, Magic Wand... Very similar in, in, in some way, at least, to a screwdriver, right? It kind of all-purpose tool. Well, there's already a drink equivalent of a screwdriver, right? Orange juice and vodka. So there has been a thing online. I think I might be familiar with that beverage. Have you had a few? I think so, yeah. That's fantastic. So, Girl, you don't drink. Oh, no. I could open up my own Home Depot with the amount of screwdrivers I've had. <laughs> nice. Um, so a sonic screwdriver, if you were interested in throwing a Doctor Who party yourself, is actually one and a half ounce vanilla vodka. Uh, one and a half ounce blue Caracal liqueur, and six ounces of clear lemon lime soda. Now I don't know how that will taste. I'm hoping it's you know acceptable. I, I might try it ahead of time just to make sure it's going to be good. But if you're interested, that is a drink that you can check out. 
Um, another thing, and this is actually from the BBC site. Uh, they actually did this about a year ago, and I looked at these recipes and thought, oh, those are cool, but I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to make fish sticks and custard because that's a, another Doctor Who thing. And we the, did that last time. Yes, we did. We did that last time. And we had Jammy Dodgers, which, by the way, let me ask you, Craig, because this is something I've been interested in. Does anybody actually like Jammy Dodgers? Oh, everyone loves them. It's, you just, everyone just gets these big packets of them and just, well, it's what you have with tea, basically. So it's a tea thing because t- when you, when I eat them, they're so incredibly dry. I, I just don't get it. Oh, yeah, you have, you need to have them with a cup of tea. It's like. I mean, like, digestives are one thing. Reference from American culture, but I'm kinda. Like coffee and donuts? Milk and cookies. Biscotti. Milk and cookies. Milk and cookies. Well, but you can eat cookies by itself. Biscotti. I don't know. You don't eat biscotti by itself. It's too hard and dry. If you dip it, it kinda works. I think. Anyway, mm-hmm. so anyway, there are recipes online, and we'll post this link up on the show notes. There are Tardis pies that, uh, I don't know what they have in them, but... Are the, they bigger on the inside? <laughs> they have cream fresh, uh, cranberries, uh, shredded or cooked turkey. See, now this, I, I'm kind of interested in these, because I like the uh, savory a little more than the sweet for some of these things, and that sounds actually... But they have different ones that you can look at on here. <laughs> um, he likes meat. <laughs> Speak, I'll tell you later. Um, uh, so Sonic Screwdriver, they have a different recipe if you're interested in a, in a slightly different one with uh, juice, peach puree, and lemonade. Uh, I'm sure you can on your add your own That's alcohol. It's a virgin Sonic Screwdriver? Yeah, yeah. Screw that. Yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not looking for that either. Um, Corals out. So they have radioactive spuds with cool avocado cream, which I don't quite see the connection to Doctor Who at all, but um, it looks kind of cool, and I love avocado, and I love... Little potatoes, so that sounds good. Um, canine dogs with mustard onions. Now this, this has got potential. Uh, I really like hot. God, this is gonna come out wrong. I really like sausage. In your mouth. In my <laughs> mouth. Uh, and with mustard. So I'm very excited. I might. This might be what I do because that's you know, cute. Um, ginger companions, which instead of gingerbread men, they're just gingerbread with. Yeah, it's kind of lame. Uh, and there are pictures of these, too, up on the website. Fish fingers and chips with custard. Now, the only problem with this recipe is it's really not that at all. Oh, actually, I actually heard you had that open. You uh, you basically make chips, or in England, they're, they're, they're our equivalent of French fries. Uh, we all know that here, but I thought I'd say that out loud. Uh, then they have some kind of thing with prawns or shrimp, and I don't know quite where that comes in. But you look through the rest, the, the rest of the ingredients here, and they have eggs, breadcrumbs, mayonnaise, garlic cloves, and turmeric. I don't see any custard. So their custard is kind of a, a curry sort of sauce to dip in, which is, I think, much more enjoyable than custard. When we tried the fish sticks and custard, it just didn't... What? I liked it. You did? It was good. You did like them, I did yeah. Like it. I mean, fish sticks are fine. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just do what the prop department did and make... Because what they did was they took just sponge cake and breaded them, and that's what he was eating in the custard. And that sounds brilliant to me. Huh. See, where were you when Brian was trying to poison himself and other people with actual <laughs> fish sticks and custard? It doesn't... They just... Anyway. All right. Well, we're not doing that on Saturdays for sure. Um, And one more recipe I think they had on here. And these were little Dalek uh, oh, chocolate cakes. Oh, See, that's actually... That's adorable. You like that? I mean, this could be special projects uh, for those of us here who are a little more, uh, you know... Crafty. Excited about crafty. Yes, I gotta work. Certainly crafty. I wasn't uh, invited. <laughs> listen, you don't even start with me. I All knew sorts you were of working. Shade being thrown right and now. You know you could come. Mm-hmm. Can't fight. Anyway, um, well, one of the things that we had discussed was mm-hmm. um, trying jammy Dodgers. Yes, but with like an ice cream kind of thing, or maybe in a pie, something like that. Right. So that was our solution to the jammy Dodger problem. Is Let's find a way to make it less dry and Jimmy Dodger terrible. Ice that sounds Do good. you realize you've been talking about food for the past, like, six minutes? Is it making you hungry? What's wrong with that? No, I don't eat anymore. I'm on an air diet. Uh-huh. All the nutrients are in right. the air. Right. How's that going? Terrible. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of uh, our take on Doctor Who. There's a whole lot more we could go on about. I don't want to bore everyone to complete tears. Is there anything last second? Any last? Were we going to try any speculations just for the before season? Oh, we kind of have a little bit between what's been released. I will say, oh, we actually didn't finish the the episode. So there was a western. Uh, I think it's the third episode of the series with Ben Browder from Farscape. 
Ooh. Yes. Oh, okay. I love Ben Browder. Um, oh, and Stargate SG-1 in the latter season. Yeah, I don't even... Whatever. Yeah. I just... I, he's he's Michael Crichton to me. He's not... Is it Michael Crichton? John Crichton. John Crichton. Not the author. John Crichton. Um, right. Uh, what? The fourth series... The uh, fourth episode... I just don't remember what the fourth episode was. But the fifth episode and the final one before they take uh, kind of a mid-season break and then they'll have the Christmas episode... Is Daleks and Man not Daleks? Uh, they did that one. Uh, the Angels, Angels Take Manhattan. Angels in, they, it's literally called yeah. the Angels Take Manhattan. And of course, it's with the Weeping Angels, which we all know and fear. And when we see statues now, it's a little bit of a scary thing. And in the trailer, you guys all saw the trailer. There's a little cherub angel, a little baby angel, and that's creepy as hell. Um, but this will be the episode that was shot in New York City. Actually, in New York City, all the actors were there. Um, unlike the, the Daleks in Manhattan one where they actually just shot B-roll stuff. Um, all them, all the actors are there and it's going to be the one where they basically ride off the ponds. So does anyone want to speculate? Cause we don't know how it's going to happen, but does anyone want to take a guess? At well, how that's going to happen. Amy, um, as the actress Karen Gillan has always said she's wanted to go, you know, by dying. Yeah. Has a definitive ending. So, I mean, I think it's plausible. Well, definitive ending doesn't mean dying. Well, but she said dying. Because she River Song, spoilers. Haha. She actually, her character has a final ending that doesn't include death, per se. It just kind of lives on. No, she died. Well, but she was, her, her consciousness was preserved. Her consciousness is one thing. She died. Well, her body died. That's that, I draw the distinction there because it's a happier ending. Moffat likes happier endings. Terry Shrivo debate in the middle of this 101, please. Oh, I think we should. She had a beating tube in her. All right. I think we should. No, I mean, uh, I I understand where you're coming from. She went to heaven, okay? I mean, when was the last it's time... It's a lovely that, park. I mean, Heaven's I a lovely park. Besides River, um, seeing that... Uh, when was the last time a Doctor Who character actually died? You know, Companion-wise? Yeah. They haven't exactly. in a while. And uh, so I'd, I'd ha- No, in the old series, there would have to be Adric, and that was the only one. That was the only one. I was actually thinking about in Earthshock, this little know-it-all boy was killed in, in one of the episodes with the Cybermen, and that was, yeah, the only one that actually was killed. So, if we're going to start seeing, um, I guess, these five mini-episodes that are coming out this week, uh, the Doctor being alone by himself, do we figure that he's going to end up, um, you know, as he normally does when he's by himself, a little bit crazy, a little bit more on the mad side, and that's going to run into the season and cause something big and major to happen? I think that's quite possible. Um, I'm also curious to see how the death or whatever happens affects the Doctor and drives him into this new situation with a new companion. Because they've said the new companion is going to have a very... Like Amy's had a mysterious picture mm-hmm. of the Doctor, whatever. But I'm curious to see what that entails and why would he be so quick to pick up somebody new? Because usually they don't. Like, he does at least a Christmas special or he, he does something, you know, at least in the modern era, before he goes and gets, you know, finds so, a new person. So, just out of speculation, just because... um Seeing the river, or not the river, river as uh, the baby was kind of not obvious, but it was there. Are we going to, well, here's me speculating, I guess, a little bit, that the girl that the doctor picks up, is that going to be another incarnation of river before Mel's, before the baby? I don't think so. I think I think they've kind of written River's song, a River's song, River's arc. I think she is not done. I mean, she's coming back, but I think her major arc is kind of finished we've seen her beginning we've seen her end we've seen the important moments that set her life on a certain track but i don't know what else you can do with that you but know? there's also this part where uh or sorry not this part where but the doctor has said you know i find her at some point uh where uh, talking about how uh river grows up with the doctor not really but kind of well only in that she grew up with amy and rory and i guess sort of grew up as an adult well, I meant yeah. like Amy is asking the doctor to find her. Yeah. And you know, where is she? All this. Oh, yeah. And yeah, he yeah. goes, you know, I find her. Well, right. wh- when is that going to be? I, I, I don't know. I think, I think that is read that it's already happened or they're not going to show it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's possible. That's the thing about Moffat is you never quite know how his story is going to play out. And you have all these great theories. We had all these great theories about the end oh, of the God. wedding oh, my thing. God. And it was totally just not what we thought. And it was actually kind of like, oh, it was just that. Okay. It makes sense. It, it worked. But it wasn't what I would have necessarily called. Well, um, I mean, there's still one major part of River's story that we don't know, which is the how she ends up in jail. 
Well, they don't show her going to jail, but they basically allude to the fact that she publicly killed the doctor, and that's what... Yeah, they said that at the so end of... Did they, the did they go into the whole thing with... Because, well, I mean... But no, I mean... I could be missing something there, but... No, they, it's implied pretty heavily that because of her actions, she killed a very good man, they reference in like... She killed the greatest man she's ever met. Right, right. But then you also go into... Um, the whole thing where everybody descends on Earth, and when a great man goes to war, and that's Rory, that's not the Doctor. Well, that's, you know, pretty much. So it's kind of that swerve where, for the longest time, through how many seasons did we figure that it was the Doctor? But yeah. then a great man goes to war, yeah. and it's Rory, not the Doctor. It would be interesting if something happens in this because River is in the last episode or series five, series seven. Uh, dogs or uh, angels take Manhattan. If there is some kind of left turn on her story that we don't realize, where that, there's that, some, yeah, something is with because I mean, besides the fact that they, Rory grew into that character and had such a pivotal role for for a big piece of that, to then turn around and then he's also her father. Yeah. So I mean, that plays into so many different aspects of it. Where I mean, yes, she killed you know River killed the Doctor, but after that whole thing happened, I mean, she came back and. She was the one that told Amy and Rory that the Doctor was still alive. You know, there was all these things that happened afterwards that yeah. it didn't have that same impact. Where if this is how they're going to write the pawns off, mm-hmm. then, I mean, there is a possibility that it could go into that. I think that's certainly a possibility. And it would, it would actually shock me. And I'd be like, oh, my God, that's what they did. My theory is the angels themselves have killed people in one of two ways thus far. They originally killed people. Not by, by killing them, actually, by displacing by, them in time. And you live to death. And you live to death. And they take that energy and that feeds them or whatever. Well, then they came back in the fifth series or whatever. It was the whole... Uh, they just snap your neck. Yeah, they snap your neck thing. So well, And they take your body and take your brain or whatever. So what I'm curious about is, okay, when they uh, blink, it was the episode, they send you back in time. Why didn't the doctor go get them and bring them back? You know why? Why wouldn't? Why didn't he do that? Well, maybe he can't do that because it's involving crossing his own time stream or whatever. So my theory with the angels in Manhattan thing is that they actually displace Amy, and then one of them has to choose to be displaced back to that same era, or the Doctor takes them back, or something happens so that they are disconnected from the Doctor's time stream. Can't do anything really to go do anything with them. And that's the end of their story. So they, they have a happily ever ending, kind of like the Rose thing almost, where Rose is alive in an alternate universe, but it's closed off and all that stuff. And that would be a nice parallel, I think, to have their story end. So, I don't know, that's just my theory. And it mainly because it involves the angels, but that's certainly uh, possible. Uh, any other things about the... Expecting any silence? I would, I would love like to see, see more of the silence. Yeah, I, would. I would actually love to see more of the, the sort of vaguely church army thing. What do they call it? Omega 2? Omega 2, yeah. I want to know more about that organization and how it factors in and what its relationship is with the doctor because they've only demonstrated that it has a thing against the doctor and it works with the silence. Mm-hmm. That's it. But then later in the, in the Angels one, they're kind of helping or the doctor's helping them and they're, they're not yeah, antagonistic. You can see on, um, on River's arm. River's arm, yeah, it has the Omega 2. I'm really curious about that era of her story and how she falls into their organization and how the doctor originally pisses them off, you know? I mean, it might just be a vaguely, the doctor is for reason and the church is more for faith or, you know, magic or whatever and, and it's that whole antagonistic thing. But I don't know. I'd like to see more of that, so. Um, well, I got the impression it was like a different version of what's the term? It's a different sex. It's like how you know you've got several different types of Christians nowadays. It's the same as that. You've got the group working against the Doctor was sort of a breakaway group. That's the sense I got from them. That could be. I mean, I I just don't know. It was written so quickly and 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 just so kind of what you know. What is this group and why are they doing this? But they did kind of seem like they were hired, not that they were necessarily originally against the Doctor from the beginning, just that they had been brought in and kind of trained to be resistant to the Doctor and to fight the Doctor. But um, I also see one of some more of the Headless Monks. They were kind of cool. I didn't really think they did much with them other than having them kind of be these scary lightsaber-yielding monks. That... Yeah, and they create more of these Headless Monks by chopping off their heads. Yeah. 
Like, so, why the ritualistic aspect? You know. I don't know. I'm very curious about the kind of space culture that Moffat has laid in there. We do know... Oh, this is one of the other episodes. Um, we do know that the lesbian Silurian and her little assistant oh, will yeah. come back. And those were two of my favorite little... And I think the Santara and the nurse comes back, too. Those weren't the two that were in the comics, were they? The the London... Um, no, 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 no. Okay. Um, but they, they have officially confirmed they will be on set. Another thing I will mention, and only because I love Richard uh, E. Grant, he was actually a doctor himself in The Curse of the Fatal Death, which was the kind of uh, for comedy uh, for... Oh, what's the what's the charity, Craig? Red Nose Day? Yes. Um, yeah. Moffat wrote this Curse of the Fatal Death with Rowan Atkinson from Mr. Bean and all that as the doctor, and he, he regenerates like back to back to back. And um, one of the characters is uh, Broadbent, who's just hilarious, and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, hung out with a hooker famously or infamously... Uh, Hugh Grant, thank you. Um, and even as uh, Lumley from Abfab. Um, but one of the incarnations in that is Richard E. Grant, who is one of my favorite actors from like you know With Nail and I, who he actually co-starred with the Eighth Doctor, McGann. Um, and he is going to be a uh, a villain in the Christmas episode. They've announced that too. Um, and he was also the doctor in a audio production. Actually, it was like a flash-based audio thing. I don't know if you saw that, Craig. It was the, uh, I know. It was the, uh, Scream of the Shalka. It's actually still out there if you would like oh, to yeah. look for it. Was that the one before they started the new series and they were planning to do a series just in flash animations? Yep. That was it. And it was really good. And then they did the new series and it just kind of got left behind. So, so sad. But it's good and it's still out there. Uh, we will probably wrap it up here, I think, unless anyone else has anything else. Doctor Who starts, uh, Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, uh, BBC America, uh, BBC, um, somewhere else online, I'm sure. I don't know quite where. Uh, uh, what's the, Asylum of the Daleks is the name of the episode. And presumably they'll be coming out weekly. Watch the, uh, Life of the Ponds prequel so you can get all caught up in that. And on that note, uh, Jacob, would you take us out? Flame on! You totally screwed that up. What? Flame off. Oh. Flame off. Thank you. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 